to chapter number 16. We kind of finished up on the, our section concerning eschatology, and now we're going to move to uh, the Lord's church and what he has established. And we'll look at the, the founding of the church here at Jerusalem. We'll look at the ordinances that the Lord has given for us um, in, in the uh, scriptures, uh, the offices of the church, and so on. But we begin in, in uh, Matthew 16 and verse, uh, verse number uh, 13. Um, it says, When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, as we look here at these passages of Scripture tonight, and we begin here in Matthew 16, and the promise of this building, and the promise that the building of this church would not uh, pass from this earth. Uh, we, we understand and we see here that there is no doubt our Lord built His church upon Himself, and He did so during His earthly ministry. Uh, scripture gives clear evidence of this in many places, but tonight we'll we'll see that he built it on himself and fitly framed it together by the leadership of the Spirit. And those churches would remain, uh, his kind of church would remain uh, according to this promise. Now, most today, and this is where we kind of get all tangled up when it comes to uh, church history and, and what we believe concerning the establishment of the church here at Jerusalem and, and how these other churches came out from her. Um, most Christians today have, and, and for that matter, most studies today of church history have bought into the Romanized explanation of what the church is, uh, and including many Baptists uh, that believe the church started in Acts chapter number 2. Uh, both of these explanations uh, prove out in the scriptures. We're given many examples that that's simply not the case. The church was not established in Acts chapter 2, uh, but rather was established during the Lord's earthly ministry. And, and he, this particular passage here that we're starting with today is his declaration of his building his church. Now, the, the, the word build here, or will build, 
is uh, in the Greek, the perfect tense. And so what he says here is, I have built, I am building, and I will continue to build my church. And so it's in that perfect tense, he's declaring he has, he has already built, he is continuing to build, and or is building, and will continue to build in time yet future. And so this, this uh, very passage is often taken and misconstrued about how the church was built here in the beginning. Now, uh, Catholicism, of course, they, 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 have, they take on a universal church perspective. And they, they claim that it is told us here that the Lord builds his church upon Peter. Peter is the center of it. It's upon Peter that it is that it rests upon. And they even claim that Peter was their first pope uh, because of this. Others say, well, he didn't build it on Peter, but he built it upon Peter's confession of whom Jesus is. And so that's what he built it upon. Um, but we see very clearly Psalm 127, verse number 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so the Lord is the one who builds his church. He is the builder. He is, he is the, the master builder that builds his church. And it is built upon him. He is that chief cornerstone. In fact, that's what's, to me, kind of funny, is Peter is the one who says. He, he, is, he is the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone that his church is built upon, not Peter. In fact, here, even in this text, Jesus is using uh, Peter's name uh, to, to show Peter that it was not going to be built upon him because it uses two different terms. It is true, Peter's name has something to do with a rock. And so, and that's where they say, well, he said Peter, and then he said, upon this rock will I build my church, so he must be talking about Peter. But no, there's two different words for rock here that the Lord uses. Petros is what he calls Peter. And he says here, I say also unto thee that thou art Petros. Petros is that little pebble uh, that you, when you're a kid and you're playing out in the gravels and you get that little bitty, little bitty rock, that little bitty gravel that gets down into your shoe and gets right there under the ball of your foot and starts rubbing and, oh, it just about kills you. Eventually, you try to go on and ignore it. You shake your foot around and try to get it to go to one side of the shoe or the other and it just sticks right there in the ball of your foot and you cannot get that thing to move and it just keeps grinding against it and eventually you got to sit down and pull your pull your shoe off and reach in there and get that gravel out. That's a Petros. Thou art Petros, he said. And upon this Petra, he says, which is the great cleft stone. It is, it is the, 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 uh, a, a massive stone that is described as, as uh, uh, Daniel would describe it there in, in Daniel chapter number 2, that great stone that come tearing down and destroyed all the those empires of the world and broke them into pieces and filled up the whole earth. That is a Petra. And Jesus is that great cleft stone. He is that rock that is split 
are broken for us, you see. That is the Petra on which his church is built here. And this, this is what he is describing. So he's actually, he's actually here in this passage showing this, this difference between he and Peter. Thou art Petros. You've answered right, Peter, but you're that little gravel. It's upon this Petra, this great cliff stone, talking of himself, that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now go over to 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2, we see here in verse number 4, down through verse number 8, as Peter declares this very thing concerning the Lord. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 8. First Peter 2, verse 4 through 8. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a mighty, or spiritual house rather, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion the chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And so he describes here this very reality that it, Jesus is the one whom his church is built upon. It is, it is he that is that, that chief cornerstone that Peter was described there as the Lord gave him that instruction there in Matthew chapter 16. Now secondly, again, most believe when you begin to read in history, most believe that in Acts chapter 2 is when the church has its start there in Jerusalem. And we, we find very clearly that that's not how the, the Scriptures record it for us. There is a major event that takes place in Acts chapter 2 but it's not the birthday of the church. It's not the establishment of the church in Acts chapter 2. Rather, what took place is the empowerment of the church. It was accredited here by God and given power upon the, the Spirit of God coming upon the church there in Acts chapter 2. But we find very clearly before that, they were already operating as a church together. Now here's some examples of that. Go to Matthew 18. Matthew chapter number 18. And we read there in verse number 17. As the Lord speaks here in the present tense. And he is declaring to his disciples here. How they are to conduct discipline. How discipline is to be conducted among the body there. And he says there in verse uh, well, let me go back up verse 15 and begin reading there. He says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. 
If he shall hear thee, thou shalt thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Then verse 17, And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. Tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. And so he gives instruction. He's already calling them here a church, an ecclesia. He calls them that here and tells them how they are to conduct business as far as discipline is concerned among them. Now, go over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And we'll read there in verse number 28 as Paul records this for us here. And God has set some in the church first, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And so he tells us here that the apostles are added first here in this order. And we see that taking place in Luke chapter number 6. If you go over here and read verse 13 down through verse 16. Luke chapter number 6. It says, And, and when it was day, he went out into a mountain the night before to pray. And continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Simon, which he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. And so he chose his twelve. He added them first to his church. And so he's already operating with them as a church, as he's teaching them. This was his local called out assembly that he called to himself to teach these things to. We also find in Acts chapter 2, go back here and look with me. Or actually, I should say before Acts chapter 2, go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2 is the empowerment that takes place by the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. But we find in Acts chapter 1, uh, the, the Lord ascends, of course, uh, from their presence there in verses, uh, after he talks with them there in verse number 8, he sends there in verse 10 and 11, and told them to wait there in Jerusalem until... They were endued with power from on the high. And it says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, the Sabbath day's journey. And when they were coming in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued, he says, with one accord in prayer, and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So they are worshiping together, all together here in this upper room. And then they were teaching the scriptures, men and brethren. This scripture must needs have been fulfilled, 
which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guided to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong. He burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as the field was called in their proper tongue a seldama, that is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishop let another take. Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who is surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, thou knowest the hearts of all men. Show whether these two thou hast chosen, that, we may t- that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lot, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So they were worshiping together. They were teaching the scriptures together, and they were conducting business together as a church before Acts chapter 2 ever took place. Jesus has already called them a church, Matthew chapter number 18. And so our Lord established his church, we see here, before Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is just the empowering of that body there at Jerusalem to go forth and carry the gospel as the Lord had given them direction to go and do. That also, by the way, they were already given their mission. Matthew chapter number 28, verses 18 through 20. They were told what their work was to go forth into all the world and preach the gospel. And all those that believe, they are to baptize them and continue to teach them the word of God. And so this, that discipleship, the preaching of the gospel and that discipleship given as their mission to go forth into uh, the world there. So there is an authority There is a heritage that we can believe and trust because of what our Lord has given us in His unfailing Word to to see that He established His church before Acts chapter 2 during His earthly ministry. He established them. And when He built it, according to His promise that He gave to them there in Matthew 16... He built it to last. That was his declaration to them. He stated the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And we are told that in Ephesians chapter 2 that he fitly framed it together. uh, That it would be built as he wants it built and it would work as he wants it to work. Uh, He fitly frames it together to last. Uh, Notice being a saint... And a child of God is separate from being a member of one of his local churches. Um, Jesus, in Matthew 16, 18, he says again, he has and is and will continue to build his church. And as it grows, he keeps it together. And he keeps it fitly framed. So that we work together as one body in Him. 
because we are his building, his temple, and we are to continue that building that he has given for us, that we are to continue forth doing that which he has called us to do, carrying forth that mission that he has given for us. Now, obviously, when he says that the gates of hell would not prevail against it, he's not talking about the church at Jerusalem because it's passed on. It no longer is. That church died out. And so what we understand him saying then is his kind of church will continue. And we see that throughout history. That, that's taught us. We, we can find it in history where church begat church begat church begat church throughout history. Uh, churches producing churches and that line of succession continuing on. But not just in that line of succession in, in them uh, passing on that authority to continue, but also the doctrine that the Lord taught. Uh, that more so than the line of succession because we can't draw the line of succession all the way back. We can go a good distance. And, and we know based upon the beliefs, however, of those churches back further toward our Lord, we know based on what they taught, based on what they believed, they believed in that succession of churches, even though we don't have the record to go all the way back. Um, Brian Station, they worked out a record, and they had one to go all the way back, but they've since said, well, there's some of those that are sketchy that we're not, we can't prove out. And so they kind of backed off from that history just a little bit that they had church to church to church. But you, we, can, we can go a great ways back. If we trace our history ourselves, I can trace it all the way back to, to London, England. And then it kind of gets a little sketchy right in there. And I'm still looking for the, the history there to try to go further back from, from John Spilsbury's church there in England. But I can trace this back to that point. And so we, we, but we know based upon what our forefathers taught, what those churches in the past taught, they believed in that succession. So even though we don't have the chain that goes all the way back and we can't rattle it all the way back to the time of Christ, we see the succession of those same doctrines from the time of the church at Jerusalem passed down through history and the Lord's churches continuing to carry on those same doctrines throughout these past 2,000 years. And so though it is that, that doctrine that stands out that's most important to us. That's what we look to, not so much the history, but what, does, what says the Word of God in regards to these things. And that, that, that succession is found more in our doctrine than it is in the, the history that we can follow back through to find now, by no means am I saying we don't need to study the history. We do need to study the history. We need to know what it says. We need to find out about these, our forefathers before us and the, the struggles and the trials that they endured, the persecutions that come against them. Uh, that I've got the trail of bloods laying back there on the back table. That's a very, uh, very short uh, journey through church history there that gives some some uh, very important details concerning it. It's not exhaustive by any means, but it does give us a great understanding there of what our forefathers went through before us. And they indeed suffered much 
persecution for their stand for Christ Jesus throughout the ages. But our Lord promised, and, and throughout history, there have been churches that have died. There, there, have, been, there have been whole uh, groups of people, groups of Baptists that have died along the way because of persecution, yet his churches remain to this present. They will continue to remain until he comes to receive us unto himself. Now, I don't, I, depending on how long it is before he comes and gets us, we may die out. I don't know. I pray not. I don't think it'll be that long before he comes and gets us. But it may be the case, and if that's the case, that doesn't diminish his promise at all because his kind of churches will continue in this earth until he comes to receive us unto himself. And so we are his building, his temple. We are to continue that building as we go forth, trusting him to build. He is Again, he is, the, he is the builder. He is the one that builds his churches. We are just to be faithful to the service, to the work that he has given us. He established his church during his earthly ministry. It was distinctly Baptist in its doctrine, although that name doesn't, come at first. That name comes a little later. And it comes as a uh, a retort against his churches. It comes as a slander against his churches, that name, because in fact it was Anna Baptist is what we were first called because we were the re-baptizers. We wouldn't take, their, our forefathers wouldn't take just anybody's baptism. They were re-baptized with that proper authority. And we'll get into that when we get into the ordinances of the church there. But it, uh, this, this fact of it being distinctly Baptist is recognized by religious and secular historians alike. Uh, and so our Lord's promise remains. He has saw fit not only to save us by His grace, but to put us in one of His churches from where he says he receives his glory. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 21. It was Brother David, one of Brother David's favorite verses. He would quote it to me often. Uh, Ephesians 3 and verse 21. And Paul writes, And to him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. He built his church. He built his church and he built it to last. And we'll look uh, next time a little bit more at the universal model uh, that is taught by most today. And we'll see, uh, given what the scriptures declare to us, how that, that model doesn't work out too well. Because it's real hard to have business meetings. With the universal church. Can't get nobody to show up. All right. Let's all stand together and we'll be dismissed tonight.